As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now, 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 now. And what's up, Obscurians? It's time for another episode of Obscurity Now, the show where we take a look at weird and almost forgotten pieces of media, and then we decide if they should be remembered for all of human history or tossed in the black void of obscurity, never to be heard from again. My name is Steve, and uh, with me is a man who's known as the layman writer. It's... It's Yahel. How are you doing, Steve? Doing great. Uh, happy to be talking about uh, some legit... Uh, non Power Rangers. I don't know. How do you pronounce that word that this thing is? It starts with a K. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what, what it's called. <laughs> I have it written in my notes here somewhere, but you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, Japanese uh, superhero costume guys fighting weird looking monsters. Yeah, things. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, excited to talk about. Common writer, it's common, right? I came in like the rap. Yeah, I thought it was K, or is it K? Or oh, it's Cayman. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I, I can see that. The too. weird, right. the weird thing Cayman here writer. is that like a Cayman in like other parts of the world, that's like another name for like an alligator or a crocodile. Yet the the mm -hmm. Cayman writer is clearly inspired by uh, I don't know, like a, a grasshopper or a mantis or something like yeah. that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what's your uh, what's your reasoning behind that? <laughs> Uh, I, I assume Cayman doesn't mean that in Japanese. I'm actually looking it up right now. Yeah, I mean, I tried to find uh, an answer, but I, I could not, unfortunately. So in Japanese, it means mask ball or masquerade, masquerade ball. <laughs> but I think it's just supposed to say like he's masked. Right, right. Hence, the uh, in other parts of the world, uh, this is also known as, uh, not just in the U.S. with our weird Saban ripoff, uh, Cayman Rider is also known as uh, the Masked Rider. So, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the American Masked Rider, did you ever even watch that show back in the day? No. I, I've, I mean, I've heard of this show before. I've always kind of like, I feel like I've known about mm -hmm. it, but I never watched any of it. The uh, only like strictly Japanese, like non, you know, uh, Sabanicized <laughs> kind of one of these shows that I <laughs> ever watched. <laughs> Yeah, um, was Ultraman mm -hmm. way back in the day. We used to rent it uh, on VHS when I lived in Puerto Rico. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, what about you? Did you uh, ever watch this? I did not. I think I may have caught uh, the Sabanicized version, and I was actually considering doing that instead of this, but I figure we already looked at, like, you know, VR Troopers um, and... Didn't we do another Sabanicized one? Uh, well, I, I know... Was it Tattooed Teenage Fighters from Beverly yeah, Hills? Yeah, but that's not Saban. <laughs> Clearly. Um, the le level of quality is uh, sub-Saban, uh, surprisingly, with that yeah, one. Yeah, but yeah. Still, the, the, there is a step lower. But still more... It's like discovering... What's that? Sorry, I was just going to say, it's like discovering that there's uh, something beneath the subatomic level. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> but somehow more sincere and more fun, I'd say. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I thought we would go for the real deal uh, this time. Like, you know, the actual, you know, source material that Saban continues to rip off to this day. 
And uh, also it's in conjunction with um, Shin Kamen Rider. Uh, the feature film is actually getting a theatrical release here in the U.S. Have you watched any of those uh, Shin movies? It started with uh, Shin Godzilla. I recently watched uh, Shin Ultraman, which was pretty cool. And now they're doing Shin Kamen Rider. You ever check any of those out? Nah, I'm waiting for them to do a special uh, movie on the on Marker, and then I'll head out for that. But uh, Shin no. Marker, <laughs> they're gonna bring back Richard Grieco as Shin. But marker. why would the Japanese be interested in that? <laughs> I, listen, I'm not here to judge their culture. <laughs> so you're telling me that Marker was big in Japan? Is that what you're saying? That's what Richard Grieco is telling everyone. Oh, I bet uh, he is. Like, <laughs> As he, you can find him in a bar somewhere, like on Sunset Boulevard, and he's just like, you know, Marker might not have been a big deal here in the U.S., but it's huge in Japan. Trust me. And it's like, yeah, he's like, you know, baby, right now, seventy uh, percent of the televisions in Kyoto are showing Marker right now. Did you know that, baby? <laughs> <laughs> so anything to basically like take home like the lunk, the local like you know alcoholic woman who hangs out in the in the yes, bar. Yes. 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 It's like, why didn't we ever tell people that Estancia was huge in Japan when we were? We probably did when we were handing out uh, demos and stuff at. Uh, at... Well, I don't think we did, but we should have. We should have definitely been lying more. Yes, yes, we should have, and then maybe the band would still be together to this day, but probably not. Uh, well, I think we'd be down one member at least. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, we already had gone through so many drummers. Like, I mean, I'm, I assume we'd probably yeah. be on our seventh one at that point. But anyway, that's true. Without further ado, yeah. rest in rest in peace. Phil. Yes, rest in peace. Uh, sincerely, uh, should we uh, dive a little further into Common Rider Black? Let's do it. All right. Welcome to your feature presentation. All right, I guess uh, we should have been more specific uh, in the opening there that we're actually not um, covering the original Common Rider. We are covering uh, Common Rider Black. I sort of um, perused a couple of these series. Uh, you can actually watch this one uh, among many others on YouTube and Tubi uh, for free, including the original Common uh, Rider. Um, which premiered all the way back in 1971, and they're still making Common Rider stuff uh, to this day. I mean, that really uh, says something about Common Rider, does it not? It says that it's still being made. Uh, <laughs> since this is the only piece of Common Rider I've ever seen, uh, I don't know what else I could say other than its popularity has endured. But yeah, yeah, I saw that they're still indeed making Common Rider stuff. Right. I checked out one of the newer ones, which is called. Uh, like Common Rider Zero One, and uh, oh man, it was uh, almost felt like sort of like the post Disney Marvelization of Common Rider, at least compared to this one, because it was so jokey. Like the lead played it uh, so over the top, like not even being inside the Common Rider costume, uh, where his mm -hmm. uh, his just his acting was, I don't know, over like anime level of just like, <laughs> but. But there's still a lot of fun there to watch. Uh, for yeah, I mean, I, you know, a lot of Jap I, 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 not that I've seen a ton mm -hmm. of live action Japanese media, but in almost every Japanese media that I've seen in live action, like they always have at least a few scenes where people are acting 
very over the top. Mm. No matter like how serious the subject matter is being treated, there's always like that anime-ish like actors like, oh, what? You know, they they do like stuff like that where it's super over the top. And I, I guess it's just, you know, I don't know enough about the culture, but I guess it's just like a style thing. Yeah, I an mean. acting style yeah, or choice. The sort of uh, weird like tones. I feel like there's a lot of that in Hong Kong cinema and in uh, Chinese ones as well where, you know, the majority of the film is like a uh, is pretty is taken pretty serious, and then for no reason they have like cartoony slapstick uh, thrown in uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I mean, I mean, it even happens in this episode of Common Rider where, you know, it's mostly taken like pretty seriously, and most of it is treated pretty deadly serious. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't remember if it's like his little sister or somebody at some point does like the whole like. Ooh! Yeah. you know kind of reaction she to shows, some minor yeah, thing she shows up and she's basically like sailor moon come to life <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, uh yeah so yeah let's jump into some of the background here for cayman writer black or common writer i guess depending on where you come from i guess I, i've heard it both ways so uh specifically we are watching uh cayman writer black season one episode one and the name of this episode is black Transformation, uh, which sounds like a weird, like, uh, black exploitation film from the 70s, if you say it wrong, but it's black, exclamation point, transformation. Uh, and uh, Cayman Rider Black ran for 51 episodes and it premiered uh, October 4th, 1987, and ran to October 9th, uh, 1988. Uh, and here's a synopsis Kidnapped foster brothers, Kotari Minamami. And Nobu, wait, wait, I forgot to give a uh, um, sort of like a warning ahead of time. We're probably going to butcher a lot of these names. Like I tried my best ahead of time to like rehearse them. But as you can tell, they're still going to get butchered. So here we go. <clears throat> Please excuse our gaijin tongues. All right. <clears throat> yes. Kidnapped foster brothers Kotaro Minamami and Nobuhiku Akuzaki were turned into cyborgs by the evil empire Golgum. Having managed to escape, Kotaro transforms into Kamen Rider Black, dedicated to fighting Golgum and searching for Nobuhiko. And uh, Kamen Rider was created by Shotaro Ishimori, and he is known for basically creating the entire genre of what we're uh, basically creating the entire genre. He created uh, Super Sentai, which uh, obviously Power Rangers uh, comes from, something else called Cyborg 009, and he even worked on the original uh, Astro Boy uh, back in the day. Um, Did you realize how long Japanese people live? Because this guy was born in like the 30s, and he only recently died. (laughs) It's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, mean, you know, they eat pretty healthy. Uh, By the way, is the... Uh, genre that you were thinking of, tokusatsu? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the genre. Mm-hmm. This stuff is it. Yeah. And, uh, well, and more specifically, it's also the Henshin genre of human sized transforming superheroes. So I don't know how it's both, but it is. Yeah, take that. <laughs> so uh, this specific episode was uh, directed by Yoshuhaki. Kobayashi. Oh, wait, nope. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. And he directed other Super Sentai uh, episodes. Uh, he also directed something called Space Sheriff Gavin, which I'm pretty sure VR Troopers, uh, you know, ripped footage from. He directed Ultraman Dinah. And <laughs> this is random. Do you know that movie uh, Contagion that came out like 10 years ago? Yeah. He 
played a bus driver in it for some reason. <laughs> so yeah. Weird. And uh and another cool little sort of connection is that he also directed the entire Japanese Spider-Man series which we're going to be covering next week. Um and uh this was written by one guy, Shozu Iurhara, and he also um uh, wrote Ultraman Dyna and Ultraman Tiga, Super Sentai, and uh, the music, which, spoiler alert, I think is pretty awesome, is done by Iji Kawamura. And he also worked on other Kamen Rider series. And now, you hell, inquiring minds want to know who are some of these actors who, uh, who worked in this film or show. Well, I'm only going to go over a few. Um, something tells me we, that we and our audience will be too familiar with their work. Mm. But uh, first of all, playing the part of Kotaru slash uh, the Cayman writer, Tetsuo Kurata. Um, he was, uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's still actually, it looks like his latest credit is in 2021. It's something called Gosutu Diarizu or something like that, some kind of live action thing. But um, he's kept busy in the Cayman Rider universe and other series, as well as doing voices for video games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's got like 60 something credits to his name. I was going to point out the person that plays his uh, brother, mm-hmm. who because his brother becomes Shadow Moon, right. if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Masanori Jison. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Sounding good. Go with it. <laughs> yeah, he he only has five things in his resume, uh, and they all seem to be Cayman Rider related. Yeah, that seems to be the trend. Like, I guess all these guys kind of work with themselves in the Cayman Rider universe and just stick with that yeah, until the that. day they die <laughs> for the most part. So yeah, and their father, who I assume will also come back later, is Takahitu. It's played by Takahitu Hiroichi. Mm-hmm. And um, he is, oops, that is the character, not the actor. Uh, don't have anything else on him whatsoever. <laughs> uh, just just this. Wow. So uh, good for him. Yeah. He has like no profile on IMDb. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other like ancillary characters. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much like the most important parts of the cast. There are like the three creatures that he has to deal mm-hmm. with, but only one of them I could really find a credit for Shozo Izuka. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says High Priest Darum, but I don't, I don't think their names really matter, matter for this. Nah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I did want to point out one more person on the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, their name is Masaki Terra. Terasoma, um, they played Shadow Moon also. It was weird. Like, there's two different people credited for Shadow Moon. Maybe it's, uh, you know, you have the the regular actor and a stuntman in the suit, possibly. Yeah, maybe. But the reason I wanted to bring him up, I don't know what exactly this person did. You know, it's a little weird (laughs) what part of this character they played on the thing. But they're still acting. They have 187 credits. Their most recent one is a TV series called... I got a cheat skill in another world and became unrivaled in the real world too. <laughs> then they have another credit also from this year called chilling in my thirties after getting fired from the demon King's army. Wow. So this obviously must be like the, the translation from Japanese, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be the, uh, the, the That's translation, awesome. I but, love um, it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. They, and like half of their stuff is basically, stuff like that mm-hmm. so it's great fantastic uh but yeah pretty much the cast there all right no nobody on star trek unfortunately this time <laughs> but we have a 
contagion connection that's got to be something right <laughs> sure everyone loves that movie uh everyone loves pandemic movies these days uh so yeah of course th this is uh, produced by the toey company the legendary toey company who did all the other uh aforementioned uh you know super sentai and uh uh tokuhatsu uh shows and uh and of course the the brand of Common Rider is owned by Bandai, and they still make awesome action figures, which you can see appearing here in the Obscuratron. So, uh, should we jump into this dialogue-heavy episode? <laughs> yeah, a very dialogue-heavy. Did you know that Bandai teamed up with Apple to make a video game console in the 90s? I did not. What was it called? The uh, Apple Pippin. Oh, yeah. Although in Japan, the Bandai Apple Yeah, Pippin. yeah, I have yeah. heard of that. I have a video about it, folks. Go watch it. <laughs> you should. You should. Um, what, uh, what's the status on uh, future um, wrestling with gaming videos? Uh, so soon. Soon, Steve. All right. Soon. Our inquiring minds want to know. I don't know why I keep saying that. All right. You ready to talk about this episode? <laughs> yeah, let's All right. So uh, basically the music uh, kicks off, and uh, I think it's pretty awesome. How would you describe uh, the Common Rider Black theme song? Um, you know, it's, it, it's good, right? Mm -hmm. It's catchy. It's almost Saban-esque, Saban which is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it fits really well. Obviously, you, you liked it. Right? I mean, I think all the music in the show is pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, very new wavy, uh, very of the time. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. One of the reasons why I chose this particular uh, series was because it took place uh, in the 80s. Uh, and it's got a lot of uh, 80s aesthetic uh, going for it. But yeah, I love how it starts sounding uh, very sort of new wave and then turn like the horns kick in like towards the end and it turns into like your typical like Japanese like fusion city pop. It's just uh, very, yeah, yeah. very of the time. I mean, you could hear it in, uh, you know, various anime of the 80s as well. I mean, obviously not the exact theme, but just sort of that style. Um, and uh, I don't know, even though I'd never heard it before, it just felt very nostalgic. And I was like, yes, I did. I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, so the theme ends and then we get uh, helicopter footage. Uh, oh, and by the way, like the beginning of uh, this theme basically just shows and this is like how most common rider TV shows began. It's just him on the motorcycle driving around in, like in the suit uh, because you can't be a common yeah. rider unless you ride a motorcycle. Although in when I watched that Common Rider Zero whatever, I never actually saw a motorcycle. So I don't know. Maybe he gets it later. But anyway, that's just an aside. So uh, the theme ends. The helicopter. Uh, we get helicopter footage of 1980s uh, Tokyo, and then just random superimposed lightning strikes out of nowhere, and then a cloaked yeah. figure appears and uh, walks vertically on the side of a skyscraper. How would you describe the effects here, Yehel? Man, the effects throughout the whole thing, like they're they're much better than I thought they would be. Mm -hmm. um, but when they're bad, like it's pretty bad. <laughs> but I will say, like, even though a lot of this, including this opening scene, is just like green screen mm -hmm. stuff, you know, they moved around. They like because they motion tracked a lot of stuff pretty well, I thought, mm -hmm. uh, with this green screen stuff. And they get the lighting right for a lot yeah, of the green screen. Yeah, which really helps it blend in much better than you would expect. Mm -hmm. So uh, this was a little goofy, and I, I had to like watch the opening twice because I was like, "What? How did they get there? Wait, are they like walking on a building sideways?" It was like very weird, uh, 
Yeah, it looked like watching Batman and Robin kind of walking oh, down yeah, a building. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Oh, yeah, without the um, their little quirks and then the um, TV stars popping out of the window and going, hey, look look at this. It's Cayman Rider. Yeah, no, yeah. This cloaked weirdo walking down the, the building. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I think they did the best with the technology they had at the time. Um, yeah, and the budget mm-hmm. for sure. So now we are in the subway and more lightning shows up. And uh, this was <laughs> this was fun. Another hooded figure appears like right in front of a subway train as it's uh, coming towards it. And he just sort of hovers out of the way. And uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And then we get even more lightning by a gang of street toughs. You're very uh, typical oh. uh, 80s street toughs. And another hooded figure appears. And this time we get to see his uh, hideous, hideously like sort of pale face. Um, I guess this is the leader of um, of these guys. Yeah, that's what I that's what I took it as. Mm-hmm. And we all is he the only one that talks? I don't even remember. I, no, I think they all talk. Yeah, I mean it's weird because yeah, because there's like a, there's a female mm-hmm. one, and then there's like two male ones. Exactly, yeah. and he's got blood red eyes, so watch out. And then, just out of nowhere, a man runs through the streets, hiding from the hooded creatures. This man ends up being known as uh, Kutaru, and uh, he, uh, <laughs> everything all right over there? <laughs> yeah, 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 just dropped the cap. <laughs> You're right. playing with your pogs while we're trying to podcast? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. My slammer fell. <laughs> So uh, they shoot I-beams at him. He hides under some cars, and they basically sort of give up, and they float away. Um, Like, what do you think about, uh, like, there's a lot of confusion sort of at the beginning. They don't give you anything at the beginning here. They just sort of throw you into the action. What do you think about that? Um, Yeah, I was a little confused at first. I was like, oh, is this, you know, a video that somebody uploaded? Like, I was like, is this incomplete (laughs) (laughs) or something? But uh, I mean, it, it's it's not bad. It was just a little confusing because I I'm not I just wasn't used to it. But what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I was confused at first too. But obviously, if you stick with it, pretty much everything is explained. I mean, and it's yeah, it's just because there's no dialogue for like three minutes, right? Basically, and uh, the I mean, it's only maybe more a thirty minute episode, and, but the pacing is really good here. <laughs> so you're never really bored. Uh, so even though you might be confused, yeah, just stick with it, and it'll all pay off in the end. Um, so he hides under some cars. They float away, and then as Kotaro is running away, and again, they don't tell you his name or anything yet, uh, he almost gets run over by a car. Then another hooded figure floats by and shoots fireballs out of his eyes but misses. Uh, I really appreciated the sound effects of the fireballs here. How about yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. And again, the special effects, like, they're not good, but, like, they, they do a much better job of blending, blending them into an environment that a lot of, like, shows that did these kind of, like, cheesy overlay effects uh, were in the 80s. So it, it's pretty good. Yeah, they're very, uh, they're very charming. I mean, if you're ever a fan of, like, uh, Godzilla or just any of that sort of, you know, Japanese sci-fi, you'll feel right at home here. And, and there's some like pretty decent like wire work um, stuff too, where he's like thrown against walls that, and they like painted out the wires pretty well. Oh yeah, we're about to get to that, and that was the scene that actually made me <laughs> choose this. Uh, so Kotaru runs up the fire escape to the roof of the building, which I don't know if you're trying to escape the dudes. Why would you run up a building? But whatever, we're going with it. And now the three <laughs> hooded beings are uh, they. they 
They're searching for him. Then they surround him and they say, you cannot hide, Minari Kitaru. You will complete the cyborg operation. And um, they, they tell him he's no longer human and they will prove it. And then um, one of the hooded man reaches for Kitaru, um, but then he runs away. But then the white-faced hooded guy throws him into a neon sign with his telekinesis, and then Kutaru is electrocuted. <laughs> what, what did you think about this scenario? I mean, again, uh, a lot of special effects here. Uh, they're very ambitious, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, I thought it was fine. Um, definitely more action than you would, like, see in a Power Rangers show. Sure. Uh, a lot more violent, mm-hmm. I thought, this episode overall, too. You know, like, later on, we'll see, like, they actually kill somebody. Yep. You know, you don't see that in Power Rangers, at least not the Saban version. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I liked it. What did you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I was I was on board up to this moment. I'm like, yes, he gets fried on a neon, neon sign. That's how I want to go, you hell. Like, thrown into a neon <laughs> sign by a guy with telekinesis. And uh, But, spoiler alert, uh, Kutaru doesn't die because then we wouldn't have a show. Um, so then <laughs> we get another sort of confusing hard cut to a, uh, like a room of dozens of people, uh, sitting on hospital beds with like basically pipes running into them. Uh, the hooded guy says, uh, once we erase their human memories, the cyborg operation will be complete. And, uh, then, uh, he pulls off the sheet of one of the people to reveal that it's Kotaru. Uh, and then... A man in a suit shows up who's later revealed to be, um, it is the professor, right? Or, or is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, he tells the hooded guy, he's like, no, that wasn't part of the deal. You can't erase their memory. These are my sons. And uh, <laughs> quite the reveal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tried, I tried to find a dub of this, but uh, I think, I mean, we went with what we have. Um, yeah, I look for a dub too. And, yeah, there's a. Uh, I do. I do worry about some of these translations, but eh, you never know. It's also like a show from that time. You right. Know? Exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, these are his. Son- it's Professor Azuki, and the white face tells the professor they're no longer your sons, and uh, that Kutaro is now, or not Kutaro, but one of them is the black son, and he will soon. He will be a century king. He extends like these weird uh, see-through finger claws. It shoots lasers at Kutaro's stomach. What? What did you think about this effect? Uh, honestly, I thought it was pretty good oh, because, it. like, so he's yeah, he's moving this guy that's you know doing the with the claws. That's like shooting these lasers, and it's like a laser from each finger coming to a point. Mm-hmm. So it's doing like a three D triangle. And it actually looked pretty good. And his hands moving and the tracking again is really good. They like changed the lighting too in the in the scene to follow it. So honestly, it looked really good. Oh yeah, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was uh, fantastic. And just the fact that the they went, to, it's like, oh, these claws have to be see through for some reason. <laughs> like they just can't be right. like you know black nails or something. It's just uh, it shows the you know imagination of uh, it. it it almost makes you wonder if like the claws were like like superimposed and like it was it's easier to like keep the laser and the claw like as like you know a thing that's together because it's not as difficult to tell like if it's not lined up quite with the finger. Oh you know, yeah. You've got a little more wiggle room. Like, and the audience isn't 
paying attention right. to the finger; they're paying attention to the laser. Yeah, because if you watch those, uh, like, old, like old school Doctor Who, whenever they try to superimpose a laser on a gun, it's always like <laughs> an inch or two off. Uh, you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if it moves. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like old Star Trek. So, yeah, yeah I, I, that's how I would have done it. Uh, so, uh, you know, white face robe dude is, uh, you know, shooting lasers at Kutaro's abdomen. And then the professor intervenes, stopping white face guy. One of the robe guys then shoots professor with lasers and basically all hell breaks loose. And uh, then Kutaro uh, wakes up uh, back on the floor of the building, you know, after being, um, you know, fried on that neon sign. And uh, the robe guy tells Kutaro he will one day rule over them as king of the mutants, which, uh, I mean, kind of confusing. It's like, we, uh, I guess they have to force him to become a full-on cyborg so he can be their king? Uh, is that... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because it's like... So he's going to be a king, but they also then later say that, you know, he'd be like their puppet or like he thinks he'd be their puppet if he's the king. So I guess it'd just be king and title. Because otherwise I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll become king and then I'll do whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a little a uh, little confusing. Um, but uh, so, yeah, Kutaro, as he held just said, re- responds with, I refuse to be your puppet. And then the robed guy picks up Kutaro and they all float away or all the robed guys. They sort of surround him. They pick him up. They float like into the sky over Tokyo. Kutaro wiggles away and falls to the roof of a building uh, where they follow him. A uh, white faced guy smashes Kutaro again and again and again against the uh, wall with his mind. Uh, and it's uh, this scene was just uh, it's pretty intense. I was like, wow, they're really taking this uh, seriously. And that's kind of what made me uh, choose this. Uh, yeah. What did you think of that? Yeah, I was surprised too, like by the level of uh, the stakes, mm-hmm. you know, I actually feel like there's really there because I expected this to be, you know, more in the vein. I, I knew it would be like a little bit more serious than like Power Rangers, you know, because it's the source material. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, um, I, I'm totally on board with everything you're saying, Steve. <laughs> if you were if what you're saying was a bicycle, I would came and write. Oh, God. So what, I, so I what you're saying is I'm your century king, uh, not just a uh, puppet. Yes. Yeah. All right. right. That's what I like right. to hear. All right. So Kotaro transforms into Cayman Rider, but it's weird because they don't really show it. They sort of just hard cut to it. Like, is that that's mm-hmm. what happened, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's very weird. Uh, there's not a lot of transformation effects. Uh, you know, usually like they on these kind of shows, they'll piece together like the costume, you know, do something. He just kind of is there but see we get that later do you think they didn't yeah but even that's like not a good transition either it's like they just like use some like filters mostly don't they uh, i mean i think that's what i mean i mean i thought it was a pretty fully formed um you know transformation scene at the end you know uh, uh, maybe i'm misremembering it because it's very yeah possible. they have all the, the you know your typical wacky colors and um i mean i'm just under i just didn't understand why we didn't get to see the transformation here maybe they didn't have enough money or they were actually saving it to the end because they know that the audience is anticipating it, uh, you know, subverting the audience's expectations uh, as, uh, yeah. as people like to do now. But um, anyway, so uh, we get a pretty awesome battle here, mostly in slow motion. The robe guys uh, float away. Then the uh, common cycle shows up. 
we see the three robed guys, uh, or cut to, we see the three robed guys in their lair. Uh, how would you describe their lair? Uh, cheap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's how I describe it. Cheap and uh, dimly lit. Right, yeah, with a lot of fog. And there's even uh, bats, because that's how you know someone is bad, if they've got bats. Yeah, even even like the, the, the Dungeon of Doom from WCW's lair was more <laughs> elaborate and brightly lit. <laughs> true, true. But I think this one has more atmosphere. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Definitely. They say Shadow Moon will meet Black Sun soon enough. And then uh, now we cut to Cayman Rider riding his bike, which I think that's another thing the audience is always expected to see in these shows. Uh, then he transforms back into Karo, to Kotaro again with absolutely no fanfare or anything. It's just hard cut and then regular Kotaro uh, on his bike. Uh, were you confused by this hard cut as I was? Uh, I mean, surprised mm -hmm. by it uh, would be more than anything. Because, yeah, there's no explanation about his transformation, how it works, what he has to do to transform. Um, how does he know to do this? I guess it's instinct. But, you know, we only watched the first episode, right? So there may be presumably more explanation in the second episode. Uh, and actually, before I forget... Did you stick around to watch the preview for the next episode? I did. I did. Yeah, so on the next episode, it looks like they're going to give way more backstory and build and world building uh, yeah. than in this one. I so, mean, I, you know. uh, I mean, I guess I should probably save it for the end, but I mean, I like how this first episode unfolded. You don't know what's going on, but a lot of cool stuff is happening. And there's a lot of action. I mean, what more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked it too. So uh, they, all right. Common Rider rides his bike. He transforms. Into, basically, when, with that hard cut, I was basically like, um, that is Common Rider, right? Or is Kotaro not the Common Rider? It just made me question things. But then if you stick. Oh, I, I see where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah, I, I didn't get that confusion, but I could see how someone could be confused. But, yeah, about but if it. you stick with it, obviously you realize that it's him. Uh, so anyway. He goes back, uh, or he goes to a house, and it's weird. The way he's walking around in it, you think he broke into someone's house. He's kind of, like, sneaking around. Did you get those vibes? Yeah, yeah, definitely felt that mm -hmm. way. And then as he's doing so, he remembers being uh, experimented on, and uh, he, you hear his, like, uh, in his mind, he's like, but why was Dad there? <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> I, I loved it. It was uh, it was awesome. And then he finds a note, and it says, "Come alone to the abandoned building." Now, when I uh, you know saw him reading the note, I was like, "Did one of the robed guys put that there? Uh, does does it say that it was from his dad at this point?" No, the note didn't say. At least not in the dubs or subs that we were that I was watching. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it, it was a little weird because then, then it's also like, well, why don't you just, if you were able to go to his house to drop off this note, why don't you just wait for him <laughs> to show exactly. up? Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, the answer is, is so they can have a, a big battle. Or, um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, that was exactly what I was thinking. And also I was like. It, it would have made more sense if it would have been like a letter, like, you know, like sent via mail or something like ahead of time because they knew this was going to happen. Right. And he's opening the envelope. That would have made a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess also the idea is that they want to keep Kotaro's sister and mom, like, out of it, possibly. 
Um, I don't think it's his mom. Yeah. I thought it was his mom till right. the end. Yeah, same here. That's why I say mom with a question mark. <laughs> it's yeah. just more confusion that I guess hopefully gets cleared up in the second and third episode. Uh, but yeah, like when he was like, come to the abandoned building, I was like, uh, what is this? Like an episode of like Miami Vice where like the bad guy like kidnaps like Crockett's girlfriend and like leaves a note. It's right, like, yeah, right. Bring, bring the money and like come. Yeah, it's just uh, pr- pretty hilarious. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, two women show up. You have no idea who they are, but they're revealed to be Kotaro's sister and, you know, mom with a question mark. We'll just call her that. And uh, so they're um, talking with Kotaro. So apparently he was supposed to be in the house all along. Um, and she throws like a, um, a thing of juice at Kotaro because I guess that's just how they they're just so relaxed with their with their bottles and uh, juice and stuff in the Kotaro household that they're just like, here, have some juice. <laughs> and he catches it. And of course, he smashes it. Uh, very sort of typical superhero tropey thing. Um, yeah, like 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 he like breaks it in his hand, like while holding it, like he's um, oh my god, what's his name from uh, uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? Oh yeah, <laughs> like he's Dean Lerner. He crushes it, you know, like like a like a styrofoam cup. Right, right. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, so yeah, of course, like um, sis and mom with a question mark are just like, oh, oh well, how did he do that? And uh, nothing really else happens in that scene. He just uh, leaves on his motorcycle. And, oh, and there's a scene where, um, or I should say a shot, where he's talking to his uh, mom and sister. And he's, like, looking out a window, and they talk to him. And he, like, turns back like this, you know, really dynamic, almost like Adam West Batman or something. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, like, that's what I want in my Japanese superhero TV show. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that kind of little bit of camp, a little bit of cheese. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's awesome. So yeah. Um, Kotaro leaves, uh, on his motorcycle, then arrives at the aforementioned abandoned building where his dad is just standing there in the middle of the building. Uh, and basically dad, uh, AKA professor Akuzaki, who we saw in the flashback at the beginning of the episode says that he's a member of Gorgum, that he sold himself to them and that, uh, it's time he learned the truth. And then we get a, a flashback. It all began 19 years ago. Uh, Kotaro's real parents died. Um, and, uh, since, um, Professor Akuzaki was friends with him. He went ahead and took Kotaro under his wing, and he and Nobuhiko, who uh, I was gonna save this to the end, but like they talk about Nobuhiko, aka Kotaro's like you know fake brother or stepbrother, whatever you want to call it, so much, but we only get to see him in flashback. We never get to uh, meet him in person. Like is the only yeah the only time we see him in present real time is when he's like on the table. Mm. Uh, being experimented on or whatever. And then later, like when he's in the shadow moon form, but they tell him, Oh, but you must sleep for now. The, the three evil spirits. Like. Right. Right. So, but, uh, no, but I, I will say Nobu, um, what is he again? Nobu, Nobu, Nobu Iko. Yeah, Nobu. Um, he is in quite a few episodes. Yeah. I mean, I figure uh, the, you know, in typical you know, superhero fashion, they'll probably fight at first and then team up to take on, uh, Gorgum, um, but, uh, yeah, so <laughs> there was a funny, what he's talking about, um, them, you know, 
being raised together as brothers. It shows them playing together uh, in the shower. Oh yes. <laughs> yes, they're both in the shower together. They're fighting over a barf. So. And the weir- and the- this has got to be the weirdest edit but- in history because they drop the soap. It slides over to the drain and then they slowly dissolve to the next scene. Like it makes the mind wonder like what happened after the. That had to be on purpose. Like, <laughs> like, are they, are they, excuse the language here, but it's like, are they fucking with us? <laughs> <laughs> I think they might, they might be fucking. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like, are they, do they want us to think that? It's just, it was so bizarre. I was like, that's got to be like the editor, like just sort of messing with, um, with yeah. us here. Um, and, and, you know, like, theoretically, or not theoretically, but like, you know, according to the show, this is a flashback. So at this point, they don't even know that they're adopted. Right. Yeah. Brothers, so that makes know? it even worse, but uh, that makes it incestuous. Yeah, but you if know, they if are, you, as far, at least in their minds, dig into the <laughs> depraved world of uh, Japanese pornography. <laughs> I mean, that might be something they're into, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge. Step brother. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. So yeah, Cayman Rider was ahead of the curb here. Yeah, I get. I guess so. So, all right. Now, after that bizarre crossfade, uh, we're back with the professor and Kotaro. Professor says that uh, Kotaro's dad um, and himself were really into ancient ruins back then. Which uh, remember when you and I used to be into ancient ruins, you hell? I mean, yeah. those were the days. <laughs> I think that's code for like showering together and fighting over the soap. <laughs> and they've passed down the tradition to other uh, sons. Yeah, the episode really took a turn after the shower scene. Um, so, uh, yeah, they were really into ancient ruins, but then they had trouble getting funding. And that's when uh, Gorgum offered to sponsor them. And that's when it got me thinking, like, what is, like, Gorgum? Or, like, at least what it represents. Is Gorgum just basically a, a giant faceless corporation? Are they, like, BlackRock or something? Yeah, well, I mean, I assume that they're, like, uh, you know, a criminal organization, but also, like, some kind of corporation mm-hmm. on Earth. That You know, that that's how I yeah, that took it to be. Yeah, that these weird, like, robed alien demon things created? Right, right. That that's kind of like I'm reading about it now. Uh, you know, probably should have read about it. I don't know before the podcast, <laughs> don't perhaps. <laughs> don't tell them. But uh, no, I mean, I, I guess not. I guess they're not a corporation, but I, but obviously they have money mm-hmm. because they're offered to sponsor this. But I, I guess much like Cobra, who has like billions and trillions, if if not of dollars, right. like they just have money to do evil things with. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, so, yeah, Gorgum sponsors them. Kotaro's father refuses, and Gorgum kills him. And, uh, and then, but basically, the prof was like, oh, I was on board. I, uh, I took their money and basically did whatever they told me to do. And so Kotaro freaks out, and he asks him how he could join uh, Gorgum, to which uh, the professor replies, no one can run from Gorgum. Their evil knows no bounds. So uh, Gorgum, yeah, all right, I already made that joke. Then uh, lightning strikes and a bunch of monsters arise from the ground. Uh, the prof tells Kokoro to submit to Gorgum and uh, that he and the, his other brother will be century kings. And of course, Kotaro, ever the rebel, says no, and he runs away. 
but then he sees his dad. It's weird. All right, so it gets a little weird here again. He like he runs away, but then somehow he and Professor they meet again, and then they realize that the monsters are coming after them. Um, did I do that right? <laughs> yeah, I think you did it right. It's so bizarre, but that's what happens. And now, yeah. oh, and by the way, I did find out that the person who at first seems to be the the mother mm-hmm. uh, of Shadow Moon and Kamen Rider is actually the girlfriend of one Shadow Moon, aka Nobuko. No, Nobu Nobuiko. So you're saying we got some stepmom stuff going on here, in addition to stepbrother uh, stuff? No, 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 no. She's she's the girlfriend of his stepbrother. Oh, I see. I see now. Uh, so maybe there's going to be like a love triangle. Of course. Would be my, my guess. <laughs> gotcha. So, all right. What I want to know from you here, describe these monsters that show up. I don't even remember what they look like, to be honest. Uh, all right, here, let me, do you remember the, let me jog your memory. Do you remember the, the, the name? I, I don't okay. remember what they're called. I don't think they're ever really given a name, but they look like bees or insects of some sort, but they shoot web Oh, that's right. They're like weird spidery yeah, but kind their faces of faces are all really things, messed but they... up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like their faces look more like insect than I mean. I well, guess no, it's like insect, it's but, weird you know human I mean. white faces, but then they got the weird sort of little like roach things around the mouth. Then they've got yeah. So I found a picture of them. Yeah, they're called spider okay. mutants, and yeah, they they've got like big red bug eyes at the top like where their forehead would be. <laughs> um, and then underneath are like regular eyes. Yeah, I, <laughs> but yeah, like their face is like really weird. They almost have like predator yeah, teeth too, like right. predator like things yeah, coming yeah. out. So uh nightmare fuel for an eight year old, I would say. Um, yeah. I mean, even maybe for a 42 year old <laughs> as well. It's all right. Hey, if you can't sleep tonight, you, you give me a call or actually, you know what? Just come over and we'll take a shower together as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> So uh, the bee things uh, take Kotaro's dad up into a water tower. Or actually, before that, there's like a battle between uh, Kotaro and the bee guys. Um, but then, yeah, they eventually get uh, the professor slash fake dad, bring him up to a water tower. They drop him. Um, and uh, I think as that happens, we finally see the full transformation of um, Kotaro into Kamen Rider. And I mean, I remember it being awesome. It's pretty much everything you want in your, you know, sort of a Japanese uh, superhero show transformation. A lot of a crazy colors sort of like, you know, streaming out from some apex and uh, yeah, you know, a lot of shit just sort of uh, disappearing and reappearing. And then he becomes a common writer. And yeah, uh, yeah. so they drop Kotaro's dad and he runs to try to uh, to catch him. But um He's too slow, and he uh, basically he falls. Kotaro's dad uh, tells him to uh, take care of the others. I guess talking about his uh, brothers, and and oh, I'm sorry. It's after his dad dies that's when he transforms into Common Rider. Um, and he's it it weird though. After his dad dies, there's like a weird wrist tattoo with numbers on it. Yeah, on his mm-hmm. dad's wrist. Uh, so they try, uh, there's a big battle between Kamen Rider and the, um, what did you call me? Spider mutants. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, they try to tie him up with the web, 
But then Kamen Rider um, uses his <laughs> remote control that's inside his suit to make the common bike show up. The common bike runs over the webs, like uh, freeing him. Uh, and it's, uh, it's awesome. It's uh, cheesy and awesome. Or I don't know. What do you think about uh, everything that's happened so far? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Like the way they did the spider, um, the spiders capturing them in webs was pretty mm. interesting. They basically have them shoot out like a liquid, but it's like a thick liquid. You know what it reminded me of is like the Spider-Man fluid. From? Because the idea. From like the seventies, just from or... Spider Man. Oh yeah, yeah, no, like sure. Spider-Man. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, because like it shoots out as a as a liquid kind of thing, but then once, but then it like hardens into like the webbing, right? Kind of a thing. So that's kind of what they did. I'm sure but, they. Yeah, were, I, I liked it. I'm sure, they were probably inspired by that, or maybe they just like were trying to save a buck. It's like we're gonna use the uh, the web shooters from the Japanese Spider Man. We're gonna use it here for Kamen Rider Black. Um, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, since they use the same director, but. Um, so yeah, I mean, you got to think that they must know that the audience absolutely loves that common rider motorcycle because, you know, they could have had it show up at the same time as he transforms in the common rider, but they're like, "No. No, the director, he's like, we're going to make them like build with anticipation for that bike to show up. And when it does, they're going to get, you know, the old uh the old claps." <laughs> I mean, it it is kind of like his I I guess instead of like, you know, Voltroning into like a big creature it's kind of like his uh his his big last ditch effort yeah yeah absolutely and then so yeah motorcycle uh, cuts the webs and then he gets up and he calls out uh like common punch and then he punches some uh some of the spider uh, mutants then there's even a common kick i didn't even know about these <laughs> and uh yeah he's uh he's taking them out and you can really see just i don't know the awesome sort of uh, influence that something like Kamen Rider would have over, say, like a, a street fighter, you know, where you yell out your move as you're doing it. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, and then it continues onward. Uh, then they're, they all disappear in a weird electronic fire. What, what did you think of that? Uh, I was a little, <laughs> it was a little anticlimactic, but... You know, uh, I, I, I guess they're just like really trying to build for the next episode anyway. So they don't want to give you too many answers. You don't get too much satisfaction. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm glad that they at least made the spider mutants like a threat by having them kill someone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it also made it, uh, you know, in sort of classic action movie, um, you know, trope. It made it personal because, you know, they killed right. killed his dad. And now Coach Rowe gets pissed and he turns into the common rider beats all their asses um so uh yes so yeah they all disappear and then um Kotaro's, uh sister and i don't know his brother's uh, girlfriend which gehel revealed they show up and they find dad's corpse just laying on the ground and she like hugs him and cries over it um as you know as you want to do <laughs> and then we see uh common rider like walking to the camera in slow motion just like a complete badass and uh then we get a uh, sort of voiceover and he's like common rider black defender of liberty and freedom and they say some other stuff and then basically that is the end of common rider black uh, episode one did you have anything else you wanted to add about those last couple scenes uh no no it was pretty good lots of action uh again the end does feel a little anticlimactic but a little bit. you know it 
it's a thing where also if you stick through the credits and watch the preview for the next episode, you can kind of see why they, they did it that way. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, you know, like clearly a serialized mm. show, not like your one-off episodic kind of storytelling you'd see in those Saban-ized versions. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you ready to render your verdict on Common Rider Black? Indeed. All right, so Yehel Velasquez, should Common Rider Black be remembered for all of human history, or should it be tossed in the black void of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Uh, yeah, I say keep it. I really liked it. I, I'm not going to watch anymore <laughs> or anything, but, uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. Special effects, like I said, they're fun. They, they have their, their charm to them when they're bad. And a lot of times they're actually pretty good. Um, yeah. Well, what about you? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, yeah, the um, effects were fun. It has a fast pace, so you're never really bored. Uh, I really like that everyone committed and it's never really taken uh, as a joke. And I right. would like to watch more. I probably won't just because I just don't have the time. But my question uh, to you is, do you think you'll check out Shin Kamen Rider at some point? Because it's kind of like a, a reimagining of like the whole series and like sort of like a new jumping off point. Do you think you will ever watch it? Probably not. I mean, I, I'm not like, I, well, I'm not a huge fan of this genre. Like, I don't have a problem with it, but, you know, like like, like you, I don't have a lot of time in my life for stuff I'm going to watch. And, you know, I've got lots of other things already, like, lined up. I mean, I guess if, uh depends how long this writer strike goes on, I guess maybe <laughs> I'll get desperate and uh, start watching some of this stuff. But am I going to watch this before, say, another episode of Baywatch Nights? No. <laughs> Well, I mean, maybe maybe if it was dubbed too, because the thing is, you can't have this on in the background, right? Uh, and I just finished watching 110 episodes of Legend of the Galactic Heroes dubbed, so I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a little dubbed out, or not dubbed, but subbed. Mm-hmm. Um, and Common Rider, you know, subbed. I couldn't find a dubbed version, so. Well, uh, there are other series, just not Common Rider Black for whatever reason. It's not right, dubbed, right. Um, but uh, yeah, so. For all those reasons, uh, Common Rider Black shall be remembered. In accordance to Obscure to Now, the most important streaming YouTube podcast in all of the internet, you shall be remembered. Yes. Good show. Good, good show. Well, I think it's funny you said, uh, yeah, we've got a writer's strike, but we don't have a common writer's strike. Now, do we? <laughs> uh, I got to go. <laughs> There's still plenty of common writer uh, media coming your way. Um, but I see Steve has transformed into a terrible person. Uh... <laughs> I always was. I was just faking before. That's true. Um, oh, Steve, how did... Uh your comic book convention visit go. Uh, Thank you for asking me. And I thought it went uh, pretty well. I didn't really know what to expect. Other indie creators, some of them are like, oh, that's where I make all my sales. And other people are like, I just sit there and watch all the phonies make a bunch of money. Uh, But uh, we uh, sold enough to at least uh, cover the cost of 
you know, getting the table at the con. Oh, that's yeah. Good. Now, did it cover like gas and food and the hotel? And right, probably right. not. But um, I met a lot of really cool people. Uh, some people were like, because um, I was pitching hard. Like anyone who like <laughs> walked by the table, if they even like you know half looked at me, I was like, hey. You look like a guy who's into action, adventure, and dinosaurs. And uh, so you're basically Mike Labosca at the bar, our friend, <laughs> to any woman that dares to that makes a mistake of making eye contact. Well, maybe not as desperate as him, but <laughs> no, no, I was pretty desperate just because, like, I mean, honestly, my, you know, after I got through the Kickstarter and, um, you know, and then a few sales here and there, I mean, my books have just been pretty much sitting in, in boxes, uh, you know, waiting to be uh, discovered. So, yeah, I mean, I was uh, more than happy to try to sell to as many people as possible. And, yeah, and there were a few yeah. people who were like, oh, I don't normally read comics, but I really liked your pitch and I liked the art, so uh, give me one. Uh, and then there were – Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was – hey, I was uh, elated. And, uh, and then there were a few people who, um, I mean, I guess they were all in on indie comics and they like took a picture with me and bought both covers and stuff. Um, nice. so yeah, I mean, you know, it was a learning situation. Like yeah. I forgot to get, um, I'm sure there were some people that were like, Hey man, my dad was killed by a dinosaur. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. They, um, they, they called me um, unpatriotic. How dare you monetize my father's death? <laughs> there was more than that than you'd think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the weird thing is, you know, I didn't really have a lot of time to walk the floor, but I did have time to finally talk to one Wills Portasio, founding member. I was going to say Rob Liefeld. <laughs> he wasn't there. I wish he was, but he wasn't. I thought he might have shown up to yell at you. <laughs> Hey, you. Well, I mean, yeah, the uh, the con was pretty close to where he lives, you know, assuming he lives in Anaheim, California still. Um, but Slaps you with the crotch of a uh, <laughs> Levi's button-up, 501 button-up jeans. That's how he challenges you to a fight. That, that's how he challenges everyone, I hear. But no, Wills was uh, really nice, uh, got his signature. Um, I mean, I would love... And it is Wills. Yes, yes, it's Wills. Um and, uh, you know, we talked a little bit, but, you know, he had he had a line, not a huge line. And I had to get back to slinging books. Um, so. So, yeah, that was cool. I mean, and there was also I mean, Chris Claremont was there and Jim Starlin. Oh, nice. I, I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of Claremont. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but their lines were always so long. I never had a chance oh, I'm sure. to, like, uh, to talk to them. Uh, so, yeah, overall, it was a great experience. I look forward to the next one. And I have to mention, um, I would say if you're like employee one of reptilian media. Uh, then my friend Rob is employee two who, uh, helped, um, basically he came with me, he helped to uh, set up and sell books and stuff. So if he happens, He's my shadow moon, yeah. I'll, uh, kill him. Yeah. You're going to have to come here one day and like, uh, yeah, you guys are going to have to fight for that number one position. Yeah, exactly. Cause, uh, right. yeah, we're, we're, we're like, we're like Gorgon baby. I mean, reptilian media is basically Gorgon. We're just, uh, <laughs> Killing dudes and uh, I don't know, um, but uh, tell Rob I'll bring the soap. <laughs> you guys actually do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys actually do uh, remind me of one another in some aspects, um, but uh, yeah. So I'll bring the zest. Yeah, but I mean, don't aren't you going to a con soon? At least as a I don't know as a guest. Yeah, I'll be going to uh, Portland Retro Gaming Expo here in a few months. Nice. Yeah, uh, that's. 
I need to look and see if there's any. I'm sure there aren't any tables available, and if they are, I'm sure they're very expensive. But I'm gonna have to look into that. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, if there if there's not anything else, I guess that's our show. What do you think? I think we're good to came and ride. Yes, <laughs> came I, and ride into the sunset. Well, I could I I couldn't think of any puns, and then I thought about how terrible yours were, and I was like. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to live my life like that. But people you know? watch this show for the puns, you hell, the puns. Yeah, I'm sure that's what they watch it for. <laughs> they watch it to hear about my vasectomy. Oh, stage. there we go. I knew you'd find a way yeah. to work it in. We're a month away from the anniversary. <laughs> we'll have a. <laughs> that's right, everybody. Get ready for vasectomy month on uh, Obscurity Now yeah, are, in the month of July. Are we going to celebrate our hundred ep- episode? No, but we are going to celebrate the year anniversary of Yehel's vasectomy. Uh, and you know, there's a, there's a reason why I got it done the 4th of July weekend. You know, uh, <laughs> it's freedom. So you could say that the, the fireworks are for your vasectomy and uh, not for, you know, the independence of uh, the United well, States. Well, I meant more that, uh, you know, the, it's free, it symbolizes the freedom I have from children. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I I am oppressed, 100% oppressed yes. by uh, my. Did you? Uh, I'm sure you did watch, but did you see uh, um, Blade's uh, big stage debut at his little daycare on Facebook? No, I, I missed it. I've, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, basically, I don't know. His um, they had a little like spring sort of whatever, and he and his classmates danced to "You Can't Touch This" and "Bad" by Michael Jackson. So, um, you know, they were trying okay. to send a clear message to the Hollywood community with uh, you can't touch this. If you get... Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> Good for him to set those boundaries earlier. Yeah, yeah, I, right. I think so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. We will be back uh, next Sunday with the Japanese uh, Spider-Man. So uh, until then, um, we'll see you next time on Obscurity Now, where we continue to unearth more obscure media. Take care. We'll see you then. You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscurity Obscurity Now. Now.